Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Okay. Hello, everyone. You too. Hello. (laughs) I said everyone like there were five or six of us, so that was my bad. (laughs) Welcome to Everyday Animism, which is starting off perfectly per usual. Uh, We are going to do something a little bit different today, and we are going to, and we're going to be doing something different over the next few uh, episodes of the podcast, uh, which is kind of highlighting each of us. So each of the next few episodes is going to be about one of us. And the person who um, we not it it was <laughs> Janet. <laughs> was Janet. So today we're going to talk about Janet. She, uh, I will tell you what I know of her and a little bit of the fun stuff that's uh, on her website, which is JanetRoper.com. Um but I know Janet um, from studying um, in Kelly's shamanic intensive. So I've known her for, it's been a few years, right? Um, Going on three years, I yeah, think. It's been, been, been a few years. Um, that's how I met Janet. And um, she is an animal communicator, uh, an animist. Um, I love all this stuff that's in your bio. Uh, she's an extrovert. She's an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs, um, which I love as an INFJ. I have a lot of ENFPs in my life. Um, she's an Aquarius, a seven on the Enneagram, which I would like to hear more about because that's one personality nerd out that I'm not familiar with. And she's a Hufflepuff. They're kind of the best. <laughs> They're like secretly the best house. I'm not even a Hufflepuff and I can say that. Um, She's been a professional violinist, uh, likes to read. I definitely want to hear about this new graphic, graphic novel uh, love on your profile. She she likes dragons. Um, She has some pets and she also works with, um, you call them the advisory council, right, Janet? Correct. Yeah. So I guess, and I don't really want to speak for you on that advisory council. So do you want to start off by explaining that maybe a little bit? The Advisory Council is a new service that I've got on my website. And usually um, when I have a new service, what's going on is I think of it and then it, you know, I do all the work behind it. And this one came up quite differently because, you know, as a communicator, um, I basically talk with all my animals. And that's just how we roll here at the Roper household, whether they're in the physical or whether they have crossed over. And my horse Shiloh, um, we were together, I think, for 18 years in the physical and then he crossed over and he still we still talk all the time and he made the comment that he would like to really be involved in helping people you know I was just I don't know puttering around the kitchen as we're talking and he made the comment that he'd like to help people and I said cool you got something in mind let me know and he said actually I do and so he started talking about his idea of as a communicator I've always helped animals help people with their animals and he said I think it's time that you know we help people and I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to help them with that. And before I knew it, my dog, Teddy, who's also an angel dog, kind of popped in and said, I want to help too. And then my cat, Raven, who is right beside me right now, said, I want to help too. So that's how the advisory council was born. And um, the way it works is people send in one question. 
I give it to the advisory council. They give their um, thoughts, ideas, uh, feedback on the question, and then I send that back to the person. And what I find most fascinating about this, besides the fact that it's the animals who are doing this, is that I'm only there because I have opposable thumbs and I can type. I'm the go-between. I find it so fascinating how the animals, these three in particular, are reaching out to help people uh, with questions when people feel that they're stuck or they're at crossroads or something. Very cool. And how, um, how did you end up finding your way to Kelly? Or maybe Kelly wants to tell that story. I don't know. I'd love to hear it from Kelly's perspective, actually. <laughs> um, Facebook, of course, right? Isn't that how we meet everybody now? <laughs> right. Um, Janet contacted me because we had kind of a, a friend in common who, um, who just kind of, I don't know if she name dropped or book title dropped, but Janet contacted me and we started talking pretty much right away. And that's kind of the cool thing about Facebook. You know, one of the, one of the few, I think, cool things about Facebook is that you, you get to connect with people in this really quick way that otherwise they, they might not be very approachable or very responsive. And so we just kind of started talking and, um, it just kind of grew from there. Like, you know, from a, from a professional standpoint, I can't, I can't tell you a whole lot about that. That's up to Janet to share, but it, it was just this really nice kind of, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, Hey, yeah, you can. What's up? <laughs> that is still one of the highlights of my life is remembering how that happened because it was also synchronistic that um, basically, to give a little more background on that, um, I was living in Minnesota, and Minnesota decided that I needed to leave Minnesota and go elsewhere, and I thought I'd just go back to Illinois because that was my home state. Why not? And our, our friend in common, she both name-dropped and book-dropped the title, and I got the book on Amazon, of course, and I read the first, I think it was only the paragraph, and I'm going, I need to meet this woman. Went to Facebook, five minutes later, Kelly and I were talking. And um, it's just been an incredible journey. And to give a little bit more about that is, yes, I, you know, I was left Minnesota, left Illinois, basically got kicked out of the Midwest, ended up here in Montana, which I now know that I'm home and I love dearly. Which I think is a really huge story in and of itself. And it says a lot about your character. Because I, I remember there was a point where you were like, um, you know, I kind of wanted to go here and I feel drawn to this and I'm not really sure about it. And, and then you did it. <laughs> and then you just did it. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> You're kind of badass that way. Yeah, I feel like you have a really good barometer for the hell yes and the hell no's of your life. Or at least that's the way you convey and I admire that about you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have to say that um, even though Illinois was my home state, I was living in the midst of cornfields, which earlier in my life, I would have been okay with that. And at that point in my life, it was like, I'm getting the hell out of these cornfields. I don't know what I have to do, but that's, that's going to happen. So I took a, a, literally a map of the United States, drew a line across Minneapolis, across the United States. And I'm going, I want to be on that line or north of it. 
And that's how I ended up here in Missoula, just going, I'm getting out of the Midwest and going north. That's really cool. Um, and and I, I've only known you, I think, living in Montana. I'm pretty sure. I think that is correct. I yeah. never thought of that before. Yeah. So I didn't really wow. know that it was sort of this intuitively driven move even. It was a big deal. Yeah. It, it was. Yeah. I mean, I literally had to drive miles to be able to use the internet or to be able to use my phone. And that doesn't sit well with me. Oh my God, that's right. The first time that we did any kind of work together, you were in your car. Sitting in a parking lot in McDonald's. Oh, town away. Golden Arches. <laughs> the Golden Arches <laughs> to the rescue. <laughs> that's so cool. So I, I also... I think my my definite like question that I want to get to in this episode, because I don't know this story, is how you, um, I would love to hear about you being a magician, uh, <laughs> magician, a musician. <laughs> Tell us now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you make my rabbit disappear? But also, how did, how did you get into music? I, and and um, I guess, like, how did that transition into where you are now? Like, what uh, what happened with music? And um, do you still play? Like, uh, just all of it. I would love to hear some of that story. You betcha. Um, when I was six years old, we moved from um, Chicago, Illinois, to Springfield, Illinois. And I met one of my lifetime friends there. Her name is Bonnie. And she was taking piano lessons. And I would go over to Bonnie's house and she would play the piano. And I was just, I was so taken with that. And then I would sit at the piano. Actually, I remember a few times when I literally knocked her off the piano bench so I could play. Um, and I would sit at the piano and I would just make up these tunes. And I just loved it. And so I started talking to my parents about taking piano lessons. And they, of course, went about, no, you're not going to stick with it. You know, yada, yada, yada. And so... I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes, but the next thing I knew, we were going out to look at a piano. So I got my piano and it was supposed to be delivered one day after school. And I am not athletic, but that day after school, I ran home from school and my piano was not there. And I was just, it was just horrible. Um, so the next day, they delivered it the next day. I had to run home from school again, two days in a row. And my piano was there and I just sat there and I just, pressed keys and it must have been for hours my parents finally kicked me off I um, started taking piano lessons and then in fifth grade I started playing the violin and I don't think you two know this but I started playing the violin so I could get out of geography class (laughs) (laughs) because the violin teacher was there at geography and you know and she made the comment you'd be getting out of this class I'm going hell that's a winner raise my hand (laughs) And they, of course, parents, piano teacher, violin teacher said, well, you're going to have to practice twice as much, thinking that I wouldn't do it. Well, this might sound simplistic or, you know, new agey, but music is in my soul. Um, There's a part of me that is music. And it was no big deal for me to practice. I would practice usually the piano um, because I had more of a, a... a liking for that than the violin. I mean, the violin, you had to get the bow out, you had to rosin it, you had to tune it up, you had to do all this stuff. You couldn't just sit down and play. Um, But I remember my neighbors would call and tell my parents to, you know, have me stop playing the piano so much because 
the, the kids were trying to take a nap. And so anyway, music just consumed my life. And um, when it got time to go to college, my parents, my, my dad in particular, did not want me to major in music, which I wanted to do. I actually wanted to be a concert pianist. Mm-hmm. And um, nope, that you're not going to make any money doing that. You have to be a librarian or a nurse, which was basically the or a teacher occupations available um, to women at that time, at least from, you know, my family. And so my piano teacher, unbeknownst to me until years later, she talked to my parents and said that music was so much a part of me that I would they would actually be be denying me a part of myself if I was not majoring in music. So the compromise we made was go to college, major in music, but major in music education on the violin, not the piano. So since that's the way I got to college and and got to study music, that's what I did. And then my junior year in college, switched from violin to viola. And I've played in orchestras and played professionally, played with, oh, what's her name? Uh, Sherry Sherry Lewis with Lamb Chop. Is that the woman? mm -hmm. Uh, Mel Torme, um, I don't remember all the people that I've played with. And it was a wonderful part of, wonderful part of my life mm-hmm. that led me to teaching um, and not playing so much. And then now my music is more personal. It's for me. Um, I still have my violin. I still have my piano. I don't play them as often as what I used to. But still music can transport me to a different world. I love that. Yeah. Love it. How did you end up finding animal communication? My dog, Teddy, um, who I adopted. And I saw him at the Humane Society, and I just knew he was my dog. And he'd been there three times. And after I got him home, of course, he started peeing and pooping in the house. And um, I should have known at that time that, you know, you don't take a dog back to the Humane Society three times unless there's something going on, but I, he was my dog. So it truthfully didn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. So talked with the vets, talked, worked with the trainer and, you know, everything was hunky dory and he was so peeing and pooping in the house and literally sitting in front of the fire one day in Minnesota. Um, I'm lighting a fire and this ad in the paper falls into my lap about an animal communicator. And it was what the hell I've done everything else. I don't know what else to do. I'll give it a try kind of thing. And so called her, talked to her. She came over. She worked with me and Teddy. And as she was working with Teddy, I I watched what she was doing. And, you know, it was intuitive. And um, I'm going, I've always done that. I didn't know it had a name. And so after she helped me and Teddy, um, she, you know, started teaching classes, took some classes from her, took classes from another communicator. And that's how I got into animal communication. I should also add that growing up, no pets. I didn't have any pets growing up. They weren't allowed in the house. So that was a big step for me to get my first animal, which was a cat, and then to actually start working with animals as much as I do now. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know about Teddy, and I've taken an animal communication class with you. That's interesting. I don't remember you talking about Teddy. I may not have. I don't remember. Very cool. So what's yeah. what's your must answer question, Kelly? Actually, that was two of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, you know, y'all have fun. I'll be back later. Um, <laughs> but on, on that note, um, 
I know one thing that has been interesting to, to watch as, as your work has evolved, as you kind of situate more and more into your, yourself, you know, on your path, how, how do you feel your personal path from a spiritual standpoint is different from how you bring spiritual things into other people's lives? I think it's time to take a nap, Teddy, or I'll get back to you, Kelly, on that. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to say that. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm glad I don't. And just to tell the listening, the listening audience, when I was in the intensive with Kelly, she was asking all these really difficult questions like she just did. That was my response. And at first it was really like, you broke my brain. I don't know how to answer this. I really need to take a nap. And I would go, come back, you know, a few days later with the answer. Um, <laughs> run that by me again. Well, Kelly. just, you know, it's different. You know, a lot of times the way that we, the way that we have to hold ourselves for our personal spiritual path in space is very different from how we have to hold that for other people. And I'm just wondering how that shows up for you, because you had you were already established in an esoteric capacity when you and I met. And um, most people that I work with aren't, you know, they're they're really just getting started. And so it was really different working with you. And, And so I've had the opportunity to see these different shifts in terms of, you know, how your personal spiritual path functions. And I'm just wondering, you know, how, how do you feel like it's different in how you approach your spirituality on a personal level from how you have to do it to help other people get there? I think that when I approach my spirituality on the personal level, I push myself much more than I do with my clients and my students. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with my clients and my students, I, I give them options. I leave it open to them, but their path is their path. Um, and whether they decide to go with what I'm saying or not, or you know, however they decide to do, that's their path. With myself, I don't give myself the luxury of that. I, and it must be because there's a, a kernel of corn in me, a grain of corn in me that just knows so intuitively what this path is that I have to do it no matter what. And there's been a lot of no matter what the past few years. And it seems like the older I get, um, the more I learn, the more no matter what there are in life. Mm. And part of it is learning for me personally is learning to deal with that and go, um, well, you know what? I can do everything like you're supposed to do, air quotes around that. Um, I can do A plus B plus C, and it should equal D. And um, the older I get, the more I find that's not necessarily the truth. And as I'm learning that, I'm learning to have more compassion for myself. And, and to learn that I've done everything I know how to do. It's out of my hands. And now it's, um, it's working with that, you know? Okay, so for instance, the, the new um, service that I've got, an audience with the advisory council, mm-hmm. I decided to, take, to test drive it and take one of my questions to them. And I, I don't do a lot of astrology, but, you know, every couple of weeks I'll check in. And so Chiron is um, transiting in my 10th house, which basically goes from 2017 to 2026, 
And um, what it happens is that when Chiron is in my 10th house, it's Transidine, that there's lots of changes that come up that I can be questioning what's going on. What does this mean? What does that mean? I can be looking at myself through different facets and everything. And when I first read that, you know, it was just like, what the hell? This literally can, into, can go to the end of my life. What does that mean? So I took that question to the advisory council. And I just basically, because, you know, we're connected, we've all lived together. I just said, what the hell? And they went into advisory council mode and they said, no, that's not the question. You don't come to us with a question, that kind of question. You come to us with a question that is thought out and that shows the honor and the respect, you know, that we need and we deserve so that we can work with you and answer this question. And let me tell you, that's really humbling to hear that from a horse and a dog and a cat that you've lived with. And so basically what they said was that I was creating, uh, in a sense, my own um, murky pool of just stirring things up and going into the angst and the drama of it all. And if this is what it is from now to the end of my life or whatever, this is what it is. And I need to know that I have options. So I thought, oh, yeah, I've got options, you know, so now I'm going to do um, ABC and it's going to equal D and life is going to be fine. And they said, no, that's not necessarily true. You have choices and you need to look at those choices through the lens that you talk about of being an animist, of being a communicator, as being a spiritual person here on this, on this earth. And so it was a very humbling experience to hear that from them. But it also gave me confidence and it gave me energy to work with this transiting Chiron in my 10th house. And when I say work with, I mean, it appears that that's going to be <laughs> sitting on my plate for a while because there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very brave. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to come back to, you know, Janet hosts uh, the podcast Reawakening Right Relationship. And I don't know if you've had a lot of opportunity to talk about that in, you know, in just really um, down to earth terms about, you know, what is, what does that mean? You know, what, what does that mean? Um, what kinds of people do you feature on the show? How, how does all of that come together? I have to say, I love doing podcasts. They are just like my favorite thing in the world to do. And if I could do podcasts all day and talk with you two all day and eat chocolate all day and drink tea, life would be, you know, perfect. Um, reawaken right relationship to me, it's a backdoor way to say animism. And the reason I choose to say reawaken right relationship is because the people who follow me, the people that I seem to attract are the people who are at the very, very, very beginning of their spiritual path. And they may not even be on it per se yet, but they're questioning, you know, what is this? And so I don't want to hit them with terms that they're not familiar with, like with animism. And because to me, that, that did scare me off at the beginning. Uh, I remember us talking about that, Kelly, and I was, you know, trying my best to just stay focused and this is what it is and this is what I need to do. And so, so it was kind of scary. So I decided to go in the back door and say, reawaken right relationship. Right relationship to me is we're all connected. And granted, that is a very superficial definition of it because there's more that goes into it than that. There's the, um, as humans, we're all connected, but we're not entitled. 
And what I call pulling the human card is that sometimes we humans, a lot of times we humans think that because we're humans that we get to do what we want to do and that all sentient beings will naturally fall in place because we're human. But that's not the case when you look at it through an animistic point of view. Each um, beyond human sentient being has their own agency, their own authority. So the path of right relationship is learning to work with each one of those um, and seeing what their agency is, what their authenticity is, how you work together, even if you are to work together. So to me, there's a bumblebee in the room. So this is really interesting right now. Yeah, seriously. So if I run and start screaming, you'll know why. Um, so to me, when I say reawaken right relationship, that helps people know that, yes, we're all connected. And then let's take them to the next step. And what does that connection mean? How does that connection work with you? Um, to going back to animals, you know, when it comes to worms, I am petrified of worms. I mean, beyond petrified. I totally freeze up when I see a worm or a caterpillar. Um, and so part of my building right relationship with them is learning not to be afraid. And part of that might be just learning to be in the same space, meaning on the same deck, you know, or on the same driveway that they are, you know, 15 feet away from me and being there without, you know, having a hissy fit. So what's on the horizon for you? You know, what, what are you, you've talked a bit about the services that you're, you offer and, and the new advisory approach. Um, what are you, what are you working on and where can people find you to, to keep up with that? Best place to find me is on um, my website, JanetRoper.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on um, Instagram, even though I'm not over there a lot. Instagram is it's not intuitive to me, so I don't spend a lot of time over there, but it's one thing that I can learn. Um, I'm also on Patreon, and basically, if you Google Janet Roper, you're going to find me. Talk about Patreon. What have you got going on there? Um, Patreon is new to me. just started this week, and I think it's just hysterically funny that I've tried being on Patreon before, before my new website went up. And I could not get on there. It would not save my work. And I just finally decided the hell with it. I'm not going to do it. Well, then recently Patreon had this um, timeline thing come up where, you know, join now and get in under, I don't remember what it was. You're kind of like grandfathered in under their changes. And I'm going, well, I might as well try it. So I tried it. and I got on Patreon in less than two hours. Got everything set up, ready to go. Boom, just like that. And, you know, to me, that's an example of going with the flow, not forcing things. One of the things that I do over on Patreon differently than what I've seen other um, folks do over there is that um, I ask people to support my work. So I don't have, I do have tiers over there for different ways that they can support and different amounts that they can support. But the work that I put over there is not Patreon only. It's my entire body of work that is slowly going to be put over onto that page. And the reason I decided to do it that way is partially being an Aquarius and, you know, trying to break rules and going against the grain and everything (laughs) is that in our society, you know, it's taken for granted that if it's on the Internet, it's free. Well, it's free to consume, but it is not free to produce. And so this is right. Right. You know, Um, and I think that people who are not in the mode of producing stuff that they're not used to that. They're just seeing everything for free. 
So this is my, I guess, backdoor way of helping people understand that, yes, it's free and there is work that goes into it. And there is an honoring and a respect of that work that goes into it, too. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's great that you ask for what you need and that you're very uh, transparent about the effort you put into what on the surface appears to be just free stuff. Yeah. Right. And I think, too, that, you know, particularly on Facebook, I'm over there talking all the time and it looks like I'm talking, but there's actually thought that goes behind <laughs> that talking and what I produce and what I say. Yeah. And it's, it's actually from Shiloh that I learned that lesson of what to ask for what you need. Yeah. So I want to, before we wrap up, I want us to do, didn't we talk about doing like rapid association questions? Oh, Oh, (laughs) jeez. But I also want to ask you just some like random Janet trivia questions too. So uh, what's your favorite book? Oh, that's so funny. I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, Miss of Avalon. Mm. Love that book. Okay. Favorite album. Oh, I, I don't have one because there's so many. Favorite current album? I mean, <laughs> because that narrows it down. Torture, torture, torture. Is it called torture, torture, torture? No, that's me saying I'm under torture, torture, torture. Is that like Tony, Tony, it's, it's Tony? It's the one I'm listening to. It's the one, how's that? What's the one you're listening to? Whatever one I happen to be listening to at okay. the moment. Okay. Um, Sorry, Brandy. Instrument that you are curious enough about that you kind of wish you had learned to play it? Bagpipes. Ooh. Ooh, good one. Uh, video game you played growing up? I didn't. We didn't have video oh, games, games then. Okay, video, first video game you remember playing. What is it, the Oregon Trail? Yes. <laughs> That's mine too. <laughs> um, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Mm-hmm. That's too bad, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, should we do the should we do the uh, rapid associate? What are those called? Like, um, where you just, just say a me. word and you have to say the first word you yeah, think of. Just free association. Free association. That's it. Okay, Kelly and I will take turns. So okay. you can go first. Okay. okay. First thing that comes into your mind, because that's animism. It's just already there. You just have to be aware of it. Okay. Right. Animism. Okay. Orange. Small. That's oh, brain. it's my turn. <laughs> oh my God, what happened? I broke it. <laughs> um window. French doors. Potato. Potato. <laughs> Road. Adventure. Art. Love. Needle. Embroidery. All right, here's the big one. Soul. Passages. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Janet. You're welcome. Interesting. You're welcome. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, so I guess we'll wrap up. And if anyone else has questions for Janet, um, hit us up on the contact form. 
Um, we got a really nice message uh, earlier in May, and I will I will be sure to make sure we respond to that in an upcoming episode. Just wanted to let that person know. We got your message through Anchor, and we'll be sure to address it in a future episode. And we will see you all in a couple weeks with the next person who hasn't been not itted yet. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, ladies. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for letting us poke your brain. You betcha. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Take good care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.